0: Welcome to Casa de Cambio. On this episode of Casa de Cambio, it's a solo episode. Uh, Just me, haven't done one for ages since last year when we were in lockdown um, because I've been had the ability to do some in person recordings, which has been lovely. But I realized, oh, it's a really cold, rainy Sunday afternoon here in Melbourne. Winter has well and truly arrived. Um, sipping on a nice warm cup of green tea and I thought, mm, why not do a solo episode? Uh, also had a week off. Um, I went to Queensland last week where it was also pissing with rain. Um, and it was sunny in Melbourne. How about that? But had a week off. So no podcast last week because uh, we all need a break. What have I been watching, reading or listening to? So watching, I have been watching The Serpent on Netflix. Netflix. I uh, highly recommend, it's been fun to watch <laughs> and it's given me a real nostalgia or feeling or feeling that I really would have loved to have been backpacking around in the 70s when there was no internet or, um, you know, credit cards, ATMs, um, Western Union, all that sort of stuff, it would have been fun despite the uh, clear risk of getting murdered as per what happened in the show. Um, that would have been really awesome to experience. Um, I am reading a book called Clanlands by Sam Hewen and Graham McTavish. They go around Scotland visiting sites of old battles and drinking lots of whiskey. I'm not a whiskey drinker, but it's making me, especially now that it's the temperature is dropping here in Australia, it's making me want to drink whiskey and think, should I? Um, and I just finished off Bad Boss by Michelle Gibbings. So Michelle Gibbings came on the podcast a few weeks ago. So I wanted to talk to her about that book. So obviously I read that. It was great. Highly recommend it and recommend that podcast episode too. Listening to, I am completely obsessed to the point where some of my friends might be staging an intervention soon with Lil Nas X's new song, uh, Montero. It is amazing. Um, watch, It's like crack though. It's so addictive. I can't stop listening to it. Um, in terms of podcasts, what haven't I recommended? This morning, I was listening to "Iway" by Jamila Jamil. I don't think I've given that one a shout out uh, before on the podcast. She, uh, the podcast episode I was listening to, where she had a former tabloid journalist on, and he was talking about all of the things and tricks that people do in the t- in the tabloids. Um, so, but that's a really yeah. She's had Celeste Barber, mm-hmm. Kelly Rowland was on a couple of weeks ago. She gets lots of. Interesting people on to have a chat, so I recommend that one. Um, and that's it. But today, I'm going to talk about negotiating your salary. I had a great chat with a friend of mine, Joe Volan, uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was the same. She rang me uh, the same day I attended a women's march here in Melbourne. Um, for the international listeners who may not <laughs> have Australian news on uh, their radar we've had a series of scandals with women being raped, assaulted, uh, sexually harassed, discriminated against in our parliament uh, on multiple, you know, from multiple parties. We even had a video released of somebody having a wank onto a female member of parliament's desk. So, and you know, there's quite a lot of other things going on with cases of sexual assault and domestic violence so there was some snap marches a couple of weeks ago and, and we can march because we are relatively COVID free so we're not in lockdown we're not um, experiencing some of the same restrictions that other countries are at the moment so yeah I went and marched got angry and uh, Joe called me and asked me to contribute to an article she was writing about the gender payback g- the gender pay gap payback I wish um, <laughs> and we had a really good conversation about how you know companies very often don't advertise salary ranges they don't publish what their salary ranges are for different bandings and different roles and they don't tell candidates when they're speaking to them what their range is and that and we talked about how that contributes to the gender pay gap so i'll put the link to joe's article that she wrote in the show notes so you can have a read but um, yeah, it it got me thinking, and I did give a little bit of advice in the article, which I'll reiterate um, in this podcast episode. But yeah, it really I hadn't really properly considered until I spoke to Joe about it how that particular practice does perpetuate the gender pay gap because women, we know, even as graduates, they get paid lower. Therefore, they have, you know, they value themselves less. Um, therefore, because they're already getting paid lower, their expectations lower. So, what happens is in Australia, uh, particularly in the change management and and project delivery and you know consulting industries, um, and contracting, which I am a freelance contractor, um, you will set your you negotiate your own rate every time. But even if you're applying for a permanent role you will be asked, to the the recruiter will ask you what's your salary expectation or what's your rate and you will need to provide a figure. Now, if that figure that you provide is, you know, within their budget and if it's under budget, they'll go, okay, great. If they say that, you know you've pitched yourself too low. Um, So let's say, for example, a role, uh, the maximum amount, a role is being advertised and the maximum amount a company's willing to pay is $100,000 a year. And the recruiter says to you you're applying for it and the recruiter says to you okay what's your salary expectation you go oh $70,000 a year. They go okay you could have got 100 for that. But they don't tell you. Whereas if a company would advertise their ranges they could say oh 80 to 100k and you know you could match that against the type of experience they're looking for and you could go mm, I think maybe with the experience I've got, I could probably sit in the 90 to 95 range and you could pitch yourself at that so you you lose. Um, and companies, for the most part, when somebody pitches themselves too low and let's be real, it's most of the time it's women doing this, we know that women pitch themselves lower. and men are always pitching themselves high and often they get that money too. Um, we know that there's a big push on companies to save money, you know, try and save money so you need to get people to work for less um they won't say mm, actually you need to come up a bit higher they'll be like yes i've got someone to work for less and i'm saving the company money but there are long term implications for that particularly if you're taking on a permanent role because if you you know mess up your salary negotiations you're only going to get in- incremental increases every year like you might get cpi 3% um you know it, so if you're already starting out lower It's going to be harder and harder to catch up. Um, So yeah, what I want to do today is I want to talk about some of the strategies that I use and some of the things that I do when I am negotiating my rate. So because I am primarily a day rate contractor, that's kind of how I'm, you know, the context I'm going to be giving. But a lot of these uh, things that I do will also apply to permanent roles if you're going for a permanent role. So I thought, why not try and help some people Because I regularly see people who don't know their value and it's always women. I've never um, interviewed a man or or been talking to a man about a position and he is drastically uh, pitching himself way too low. But women pitch themselves way too low all the time and it's like, girl. So the first thing, (laughs) the first piece of advice I would give you is if you're looking for a new job, you need to do your research and understand what you are worth in the market. So... Do you Googles. Uh, that information is all Googleable and available on the Wide World Web. Um, I'm not going to tell you how much people get paid. Like, Do that research yourself. All of the big recruiting companies like Hayes, Talent, um, they all publish salary guides um, for industry and positions, So, and they're free. I think you just need to sign up to their email list and, and get a copy. So go and look at what the salary guide is. Um, and it, it might explain, you know, whether it's a junior role or a mid-level role or a senior role and go, okay, which one applies to me? So that's the first thing you're going to do is know. And then speak to other people who work, do the same work as you and say, okay, I'm thinking of looking for another job. Like, what should I ask for? Like, they don't have to tell you what they get, but say, what do you think is a reasonable salary or a reasonable rate for this role? Um, if there's any recruiters that you trust. I know that could be a bit of an oxymoron, but if you've got some recruiters that you have a really good relationship with and you trust their opinion, ask them. Don't ask run-of-the-mill recruiters because it is their job to place you in the role for you know as low as possible, because then A, it keeps their client happy and B, maybe they can take a bigger chunk of the money as well. That's another thing is um, when recruiters go out and recruit for what roles, um, sometimes there are some recruiters who take, you know, a smallish percentage and are honest with you, but there are some who are taking a lot. So example, last year I was contacted by a recruiter, a reputable recruiter, um, about a role and they said, yep, it's this right? And I went, yep, okay, put me forward. And then, you know, I forgot about it. I ended up not getting a different job, um, but then I was chatting to a friend of mine and she told a story about how she had been approached by a recruiter and it was the same role that I had been approached for, right? She said she had been approached for by a recruiter for that role and the rate that she was approached for was $200 per day less than the rate I was approached for. And then she, a friend of hers was approached by a third recruiter. And they were offered a rate that was $200 a day below what my friend was offered by that recruiter. So there's one role. And I told her, I was like, I got offered it at this rate. She was like, shut up. Oh, my God. So that role would have gone from the client. And I know that they sent it out to, I think, every recruiter in town. And those recruiters would have gone, hmm, how much can we, how low can we get someone to do this job for? And how much can we take? So the recruiter that was really offering the rock bottom rate was going to take $400 a day, plus probably an additional fee uh, to that candidate if they managed to convince a candidate to work for such a low rate. And that happens all the time. Um, (laughs) So be aware of that too. Um, if you're feeling particularly ballsy, you can just flat out ask your recruiter, what percentage are you taking and what's the client budget um, and, you know, what's the percentage to the candidate? But, I mean, good luck getting an answer to that question. They probably won't tell you. But, yeah, so that bear that in mind. Um, so once you understand what you're worth and you're feeling like, you know, you're ready, you're like... You can, Because that's the other thing is if you're putting a rate out there, recruiters will say, well, justify it. And you can say, well, this is the market rate. This is being published in salary guides for this year. Um, I also know lots of other people in similar roles who are getting paid that rate or higher um, because you will have to justify why you want it. So be ready to answer that question. Um, And obviously another way to justify is, well, this is what I'm currently getting. um, So I want that or more. Um, so when I get asked what is my rate, I have a number in my head that is the lowest I will go. And, I mean, if I'm dealing with, I should probably say, if I'm dealing with people who I've worked with before, I trust them fully, like it's so pleasant because they're like, you want to come and work for me? This is the rate. I'm like, yep, that's my rate. Let's go. And that's very refreshing when you can have those sorts of conversations. But when you're dealing with you know, people you don't know because you're out there applying for jobs, you don't know these recruiters, you don't know these HR business partners, you've got to be strategic about it and you've got to play the game. So I have a rate in my head that is the lowest I will go. I always say 30% higher, sometimes 20%. I mean, we did have COVID last year. Rates did drop. Uh, but they're pretty much back up to, you know, pre-COVID levels. Um, so I always say a higher rate that I'm willing to settle for, I will say this is my rate. However, there's some flexibility there if it's the right role. Because when you're thinking about your rate, it's not all about money, right? Um, and most of the time, you know, then we start negotiating and then like, mm, maybe we can't do that but sometimes they go yes and then you're going to get that money whereas if you said the lower one and they said yes you're like oh what was the budget um I mean when you do that though be careful you've got to be really careful you don't pitch yourself too high if you pitch yourself too high people will just think uh you're a dickhead um I have come across you know some people when you're hiring, particularly during COVID, rates dipped, you got to think about, okay, there's not a lot of work around. Um, is $100 per day, like, yes, that's $500 per week, but, you know, potentially I might not get a job for a while. What if it takes me another month to find a role at the rate that I want? Like, then it, I'm actually coming out worse off. Um and then you think, well, it's if it's a short-term contract as well, you think, well, I'll do this contract, you know, I'll make some money, I'll stay employed. Because I, the other thing to keep in mind is we do get paid. We are so overpaid for what we do in this industry. Um, we get paid so much more than people who actually contribute to society in a very tangible way like nurses, cleaners, as we learned from last year. The most important people are people who stack toilet paper, put toilet paper on the shelves and um, clean toilets and and clean trams. <laughs> um, they're the ones who should be getting paid a lot of money. Um, anyway, we're off on a tangent there. So yeah, don't pitch yourself too high that you're actually not making yourself marketable. Um, don't say a ridiculous rate and then refuse to negotiate. Um, so you negotiate with a recruiter and then you get put forward to the client and you know they tell the client what your rate is before they interview you. So another thing that's happened to me multiple times is, you know, the client knows what your rate is. You do one interview, two interviews, sometimes I've done three interviews, and then the recruiter will call you and they'll ask you if you'll do it for less. And I find that so irritating. Um, I have a personal policy when that happens to say no, um, just on principle. I think it's really cheeky to make a candidate go through multiple interviews and then ask them to do it for less. It's like you should have said no at the start. Um, But the other thing is when that happens, you are obviously the preferred candidate, right? If they're coming back and saying, oh, we really like you, but we want you to do it for less. And it's not it's not the fault of the people you're going to be working with. It's usually some kind of directive that's coming up from really high in their PMO or their business, you know, save money, save money. We need to get people to work for less. So I don't think, oh, I don't want to work with you, but I do, it is a red flag. I, I will say it, I'm going, mm. but I always say no. And every single time I've said no, they've come back and gone, oh, okay, we will pay you that rate. So be, be prepared to say no, but you also need to be prepared to walk away because there is a chance they could go, okay, bye, thank you, next, bitch, and they will hire a cheaper person. Um, I did interview for something last year. Uh, I was really overqualified for this job. It was paying a really low rate, but it was COVID and I was looking for work, so I was like, whatever, um, it's employment, I don't care, I'll drop my rate. Um, but I did... <laughs> like the rate was really low and I said, look, I'll do it for this. It was lower than what I usually got, but I went, that's too low. Sorry. And I didn't get it. And I think the reason is uh, because they probably found someone to do it for less. So you need to be prepared to walk um, and you're not always in a position to walk. You might have to accept it. And then, you know, if you, I don't know, my personal the way I work is if I accept something, I accept it for the duration of the contract. I won't I won't take a contract and think, cool, I'll just as soon as I get a higher paying one, I'm gonna piss off because I think that burns bridges. Um, I think Melbourne business community is quite a small business community. So my advice, like my advice to you is if you accept it, accept it for the term of the contract. So if it's a three month contract, do the three months and then you can say, Thanks, but no thanks, or you gotta pay me more, you know. The market's a bit more buoyant now, this and that. I've been doing a good job. Um, Then you can renegotiate. But, yeah, I think it's a if you take on a role and then you find something better and you just leave, like you're going to – like people will remember that and they'll be like, oh, that was that bitch that just fucked off after a few weeks and, you know, left us all in the lurch. So, but you know, up to you, up to you how you want to play it. So, yeah, you've put your right forward. They've tried to (laughs) – I remember there was one <laughs> and, you know, I said, oh, because I I, used, I sometimes give a range. Don't be afraid to give a range. Um, say, so, you know, and give a range of, yeah, like a few hundred dollars a day or 30 or 40 grand and say, look, I need to be paid between this and this. This is, it needs to be above this number. Otherwise, I won't consider it. Um, you can be really clear, but then if you say what is your minimum number, then of course they're gonna come back and pay you the minimum number, and then you're already, you know, on your minimum. So it is such a predictable thing for them to come back and say, mm, actually, and there's some lame excuse like, oh, you know, people had to take rate cuts or there was a budget card, or blah, blah, blah. That's not your problem. That is not your problem. Don't let some company that makes billions of dollars a year make that your problem. So or, or some recruiter who wants to take a bit of extra fat for themselves make it your problem. You set your rate, you have to be re- you know have to have have really strong boundaries and you have to be confident in yourself. So I will repeat again if you've gone through the interview process, if they want to proceed, you're the preferred candidate that actually puts you in the best negotiating position. There might be a second candidate, but yeah, what do you want to do? I'm really brutal with, uh, you know, there was one, <laughs> and and let them know what other interviews you've got and let them know you're a good candidate and you're going to get snapped up and they need to stop faffing around. I had a situation last year, and again, this was during COVID and and for the listeners who, yeah, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, like I didn't get a contract extended because of COVID and then, you know, I was looking for a little while and there were so many people on the market, it was horrible. Um, So rates dropped. There was a lot of really underhanded behaviour that I saw from certain recruiters offering absolute piss takes of rates and I thought, someone's going to take that because they're going to have to put food on the table. But then the second they get something else, they will leave. And I think that's that's probably the one circumstance it's okay to do it. Like COVID, you know, that was an employment market um, that I've never experienced. And, you know, fingers crossed, i will never bloody experience it again. It was horrible. So, yeah, if you had to take a low-paying job in that time knowing that, you know, whoever was paying that rate was absolutely taking the piss and just taking advantage of a terrible situation and you had to do that and then leave, that's fine. That's on them. Um If it's, you know, 50 bucks or 100 bucks a day and, you know, be careful about that. Um, And also for the recruiters who listen, I did make a mental list of recruiters I will avoid working with because I saw them continually post piss take rates during that time. But, yeah, I had – things were really quiet and then the new financial year started. So, in Australia, our new financial year starts on the 1st of July. And that's when a lot of people get fresh budgets and people started hiring again. And so things really sped up and once the financial year started, I got something really quickly, which is great because I thought if the new financial year starts and things don't pick up, I'm going to have to make some really hard decisions here. (laughs) Um, I can't just sit in my room podcasting all day, even though I love it. Um, So yeah, during that time, I was approached by an organisation. I really wanted to work for them because... The project that they were doing sounded awesome. The technology they were using were awesome. Um, you know, it, it seemed like it was going—you know—agile ways of working, which I'm, you know, really excited by and into. Um, I went through three rounds of interviews, uh, and I said, "This is my range. This is my COVID discount," because everybody, you know, of course, we're—you know—we have to accept less uh, because it's COVID, right? You can't be walking around expect when there's no jobs. And a million people applying for those jobs, expecting that you're going to get pre-COVID rates and you can your rates. Right, that's being realistic. So yeah, I said, this is my minimum, bare minimum. If we could keep it at or above that, that'd be great. They went, yeah, yeah. And through the course of the interview process, I was like, okay, this is a massive role. And another thing that um, I noticed recruiters were doing is they were advertising something as, you know, change manager, but it was actually senior change manager or portfolio program change manager or you know, transformation lead and they were advertising it as a change manager rate, which is sneaky. So I'm going through this interview process. There's a couple of red flags that popped up and I was like, "Mm." you know, it seemed like I was going to be doing three jobs in one by myself. Um, Didn't seem to be that much appetite for a team. I thought, oh, I don't really want to do that, you know. Um, even though I wanted to, you know, there were a lot of things that I, that I still wanted to do it because of, you know, the company that it was and, and the technology and the agile ways of working because so I was like, oh, I don't know. And then they, after three interviews turned around and said, oh, actually, we need you, yeah, the budget's now this and it was $100 a day less than my COVID discount rate and I just said, no, no, it needs to be this. You go back and you get the approval. And then I, by this stage I had more interviews so I said, just so you know, I've got an interview here tomorrow and an interview at this place on monday um it's all immediate start so yeah just let me know how you go with that the poor recruiter was like i'm so sorry um and then yeah the next day i went to that interview and they said are you what are your other things and i said well i'm sitting on a verbal offer but we're negotiating and i have another interview on monday and they were like right and they just moved really quickly and they were obviously paying um a reasonable rate there was no argument about that it was gr- which I really appreciated and yeah I ended up taking that job so you can I mean recruiters do lose candidates good candidates if they want to mess around and try and you know um, mess them around on their rate and on their salary they'll just go and work somewhere else because if that's how you're being treated when you're the preferred candidate I mean it's going to be hard to get funding for additional roles. Like, It's a big red flag. You're like, well, I'm probably not going to be treated this that well um, if I'm not being treated well on the way in. So there's that, there's that. Um, you also need to, probably going back to justification, just being really clear on what you can bring to the table that doesn't exist in that company. Speak to people who work at that company. When you're in your interviews, ask Ask the people interviewing, like, what are you looking for? What's keeping you up at night? What do you need from this role? Like, what, what will success look like? So then you can get an idea of what are some of the problems that they have. Because I always ask that. I'm like, tell me what's your biggest problem? And then I, like, tell them how I'm going to solve their problem um, to get them to hire me. it's um, another interview tip. Podcast episode coming out on interviewing soon, by the way. So I won't go into that. I've already been talking for, like, 25 minutes. Oh, my God. In summary... The three most important things are know your worth, ask for more than what you want, and be prepared to negotiate down. And also be prepared to walk away. If they know that you're going to take the job anyway, then they've got the position of power. If they know you're going to walk away, they will act. I this was around a permanent role, actually. I took a permanent role um, at an organization. I had a, a boss. And I was talking to him. I said, this is what I want. He was like, yeah, that seems reasonable. Um, and it was, you know, an introduction. Like, it again, the role hadn't been advertised. It wasn't like I applied for it. Um, it had just been created. And um, then it started going through the process and somebody from their, you know, recruitment team rang me and said, what's your expectation? I said, it's this. They were like, oh, we can't pay you that. I was like, not my problem. I was like, I have an interview at this bank uh, next week. They're paying this, which is a whole heap more. I didn't want to work at that bank because, you know, I'd worked there before and I was trying to become less bankified, but they didn't know that. I was like, they're paying me. They're going to pay a whole heap of cash. Uh, I'm already the preferred candidate because I've worked there before. I get on really well with the head of change. So I'm probably going to get the job. Like, it's up to you. Uh, And they're like, well, we need to go through this series of approvals because, you know, we can't pay this person, you know, more than blah, blah, blah. I was like, do what you got to do. Not my problem. Um, Just... Call me back when it's done. And it happened. Um, But that was also because that particular boss really wanted me to do the job. So he actually made that happen and arranged the approvals. Sometimes people will not want to do that. They're like, oh, that's admin. I don't want to do admin. Yuck. But if they really want you to come in and do that, um, those approvals can happen. So that's probably another tip is don't be scared. Don't be put off if someone says, oh, well, what we pay for that is, you know, really low. And you're like, well, that's not what the market's paying. Pay me market rate and I'll consider it um so yeah it requires you to be incredibly confident in your own abilities um another another justification is you can start like start if you're a woman start saying um you know the gender pay gap i want to be paid the same as my male peers i have a friend who recently changed career? She'd been in one uh, job or working for the same organisation for a really long time so she was a bit unsure uh, and she was moving into a slightly different role. So she was a bit unsure what that company would be paying and what she should ask for and she went, I'm going to ask for 20% more just because of the pay gap and she asked for 20% more and that company came back and said actually we're paying you even more. So she was still underselling herself. So don't ever, yeah, don't underestimate how much you could be underselling yourself. Um, And so, that's where the research really comes into it because you've got to be very clear. If you don't know what others are getting paid, then you can't say with confidence, this is the salary. This is what I should be getting at this level of experience and with these skills. So, do your research. Do your Googles. I'll probably stop there because I thought this would be a 10-minute podcast. It's turned out to be quite long. I hope you found that useful. And yeah, just never be afraid to back yourself. Never be afraid to walk away from a negotiation that you think is becoming really shitty and is making you unsure if you want to do the job you will find something better Um, I know that can be hard sometimes but yeah be prepared to walk away or be prepared to lose the opportunity if that's what you want but also remember it's not always about money there could be some stuff in that job that will be worth a lot like there could be a really good work-life balance because your time is worth something too right um, they might be. They might pay for you to do certifications or training. So don't. It's not all about money, but it kind of is, isn't it? Um, <laughs> especially if you're a woman. Um, so yeah. Good luck. Use those techniques. Let me know how they go. And have a great week. And next week, I'll be back with a guest. Oh, before I go, I probably should say I have scheduled some new public workshops too, with the Brave Change Academy. So if you go to www.bravechangeacademy.com, you can find my stuff if you want to register. Um, And that's it. All right. Have a great week and I will be back soon. Bye.